Welcome back to the Irish Football Archive podcast. I'm Andrew Hall. Thank you for listening. Today we'll talk about the legendary career of Notre Dame fullback Mark Edwards. But first, a quick review of Notre Dame's victory over Louisville one week ago. Of course, the Irish struggled early before closing the game on a 28-3 run. The most alarming part of the game was the performance of Ian Book, who threw for 193 yards and ran for 81 yards. Book needs to improve if Notre Dame hopes to win double-digit games this season. The Irish rarely open the season with a true road game. Since 1999, this has happened in 2001, 2004, 2006, 2016, and of course this year. Notre Dame is now 2-3 in true road openers since 1999. Notre Dame faces New Mexico on September 14th. The Lobos are coached by former Notre Dame head coach Bob Davey. Davey is currently recovering from a serious medical incident that occurred following New Mexico's win over Sam Houston State. Davey will not make the trip to South Bend this week. In a statement, Davey said, While I will be around next week and involved, I have decided not to make the trip to South Bend for our September 14 game with Notre Dame. After receiving advice from my wife and doctors, I wanted to make this decision now so our team and coaching staff could go into the weekend with clarity and consistency. Davies' health certainly comes first and foremost. However, his absence removes the opportunity for history on Saturday. To the knowledge of Irish Football Archive, no former coach has coached at Notre Dame Stadium. Most recently, Tyrone Willingham coached against the Fighting Irish twice. However, those games were played in Washington. A few coaches have coached against Notre Dame prior to being the coach of the Fighting Irish. Both Tyrone Willingham and Era Parsegian beat the Fighting Irish earlier in their careers. Notre Dame is a destination for coaches. It is a capstone and likely the last stop on their career. Very few coaches coach following their time at Notre Dame. When we return, we will discuss the career of Notre Dame legend Mark Edwards. <laughs> Fullback is a dying breed. Uh, I tell you what, like I'll go uh, speak to different youth groups and uh, football teams and things like that. And the kids nowadays, you know, say, hey, you know, you play college football, you play nine years of professional football. What positions you play? I said, oh, I play fullback. And they're almost like, well, hey, what, what's that? So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's definitely uh, a, a, a dying position. But, you know, some of the teams, you know, still still use a fullback in a prevalent manner. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly was fortunate to grow up when I did. And I guess you know, I just, I, I fit that profile. And it worked out really well for me uh, 
both the Notre Dame and my nine-year NFL career. That was Notre Dame great Mark Edwards discussing the somewhat defunct position of fullback. Very few teams utilize the position that Edwards played during his college and pro career. For perspective, Notre Dame has not utilized a fullback since Charlie Weiss was the coach almost 10 years ago. But when Edwards played on the gridiron, the fullback was a mainstay of almost every offense in football. Edwards rumbled his way to Mr. Football in the state of Ohio in 1992. Eventually, Notre Dame would land Edwards over many suitors. However, Edwards is on record as saying that Notre Dame seemed an unlikely destination growing up. He even said that he rooted for Miami against Notre Dame during their championship run during the 1988 season. But his mind changed when he reached high school. He knew if Notre Dame called, he would receive an elite education. Edwards also knew Notre Dame and head coach Lou Holtz ran an offense that would properly utilize his skills. During his first two years at Notre Dame, Mark Edwards served as a backup. Edwards believed that he was the heir apparent at the position. But this is when Lou Holtz really motivated him to take it to the next level. Well, everybody has their own Coach Holtz stories, right? Everybody dealt with Coach Holtz in different manners. One of the things that really stuck out and I learned long after I finished up with Coach Holtz was that at some point in everybody's career at Notre Dame, you know, just before they were going to become a major contributor, Coach Holtz would call you into his office and he would kind of read you the riot act like, hey, you know what? I don't think you're right for Notre Dame. I don't think you're going to be able to play here. I need more out of you. You know, you might want to think about transferring. Like, he, he would bring you in and challenge you. And, you know, this happened to me after USC my sophomore year because I was kind of the heir apparent to Ray Zellers after you – know, Ray Zellers was the starter my freshman sophomore year. And I was the backup. And then I was kind of, you know, slated to take over for Ray my junior senior year. So last regular season game of the year, my sophomore year, was USC. And, you know, I, I messed up on a couple plays. But I didn't have a bad game, I didn't think. But he called me in. You know, he, he read me the riot act. Like, hey, Mark, I thought you were the guy. But you answered this game. I'm not real sure. You know, you, you really got to do a lot of soul searching and this, that, and the other. Right? And when you go in there, you're shocked. And, you know, you're like, oh, my God, you're embarrassed. So, like, you don't tell anybody about it. You just go out there and you work harder. Now, years later, you know, when I'm going back and I'm seeing different guys on the team, you know, guys that I played with for me, after me, everybody has the same story. And nobody told each other about it while they were playing. <laughs> so, both played mind games with you to make you more mentally tough, to make you, uh, you know, work a little bit harder and earn your spot and earn your spot as a starter. So, you know, that, that's really what sticks out about Lou Holtz to me. When Edwards rose to his junior year, 
Lou Holtz took the team to Culver for preseason camp, something Brian Kelly has done several times during his time at Notre Dame. But Culver was not exactly the home away from home that it is now for Irish players. Oh my God! Well, I, so my junior year, uh, nineteen ninety-five season, was the first time that Notre Dame went down to Culver. So now, now Culver has gotten much, much better since nineteen ninety-five. I remember the first night that I was at Culver. Uh, you know, none, none of the dorms that we stayed in are air conditioned there. So I had a box fan on the window in my room where I was staying, and I put my bed long ways uh, against that window, right? So, I, so the, the, the foot of my bed was against that window. I had a box fan just to try to keep cool so I didn't sweat overnight. And the very first night I was there, there was an awful thunderstorm with rain and everything else that literally blew water on me most of the night. I didn't sleep worth a darn, and I woke up soaking wet. And from that point on, there was four or five of us that actually would go and sleep in the hockey ring where it was about 45 degrees. We just take extra blankets, but you know, Ron Paulus, myself, Dave Quist, uh, Thomas Krug, all would go and sleep in the hockey arena, and we'd play euchre and hearts and spades and whatever until bed check time. Uh, once we got a little bit of time, but uh, that, that that was a rough experience. It was hot and it was muggy, and there was just no escape from that heat. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I do not miss those days of cold. Edwards played perhaps his most memorable college game against USC during his junior season. The Trojans entered the contest undefeated and ranked number five in the country. Notre Dame entered the game in the midst of a disappointing season. The Irish lost their opener to Northwestern, which was considered a huge upset, even though that Northwestern team went on to win the Big Ten. Big plays sunk the Irish against another Big Ten team, Ohio State, weeks earlier. So it looked like USC would break their 10-game losing streak to the Irish and continue forward on a national championship run. However, Edwards and the Irish would have none of it. Here is the lead-in to the game. Tomorrow, it doesn't take 10 blocks in offense. It takes 20 blocks in offense. Tomorrow, it doesn't take 10 tackles on defense. It takes 30 tackles on defense, but we beat Southern Cal. While words have sparked this rivalry, its on-field heroics have been the stage for some of college football's greatest theater. The first meeting took place more than 60 years ago. The Irish were the victor, 26-13. In 1931, USC's national championship hopes were realized. A game-winning field goal was a decisive margin. 30 years later, Arrow Procedion led his number one ranked Irish against John McKay's Trojans. It was USC's 13 unanswered points that derailed Notre Dame's bid for a national title. 13 years later, Notre Dame pulled off a Trojan horse of their own. Green jerseys ignited the Irish to a stirring victory. Seven years ago, number one Notre Dame in search of their 11th national title, while number two USC had different thoughts. It was the 24th time in history the nation's two top teams would do battle. This time, Notre Dame prevailed on their way to the national championship. 
Today begins a new chapter in this storied rivalry. Will USC continue their climb on the strength of a Heisman hopeful? Will their dual field generals continue their early season success? Will Notre Dame use this rivalry as a catalyst? Will their leader remember the moments that ignite the hometown faithful as his number one receiver awaits delivery and the opportunity to celebrate their combined success? Regardless of today's outcome, one thing is certain. Two schools with unequal national pride are ready to commence battle. USC and Notre Dame, a rivalry filled with respect, a true American tradition. The Heisman hopeful mentioned in the NBC introduction was the infamous Keyshawn Johnson, who I vividly remember on the cover of my ESPN the magazine with the headline, Give Me the Damn Ball. I'm sure my mom loved that. It was not Keyshawn who stole the show, but Notre Dame fullback Mark Edwards. 102 yards again. First down and goal to go. Here's Edwards. Helmet to helmet. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Whoa. Edwards would be the first back, and he carries him to the end zone. So the big back offense, it is Edwards. He's going to throw. He's going to, he wanted to throw back to Paul. He's still going. Now he throws into the end zone. Touchdown or the not conversion is gone. Oh, my. You would have to reason that Mark Edwards, a fullback, would be involved at least in one form or another. And guess what? He scores it. John Robinson is watching a dismantling and a physical pounding of his USC Trojans. They come in here number five. They're coming out bruised. But what's the mystery here, Charlie? What do you think? Oh, I would Fall say back up the middle. 44 Mark Edwards should be involved and should have his hands on the football. And he does, and he's going to score. Mark Edwards finished the game with 82 yards rushing and three touchdowns. He ran for a two-point conversion as well as throwing for one. It was an extremely impressive performance as Notre Dame won their 11th consecutive time against USC. Performances like these were inspired by Holtz, who always found a way to motivate the team. Everybody's heard Coach Holtz Right, I mean the guy is amazing. He's one of the best. At, he's one of the best in the business. He gets paid you know tens of thousands of dollars to go out and give a you know speech to corporate America, and he came up with something new and unique every single week to motivate the guys, uh, you know, to get you fired up or whatever it is. Whatever it is. And so yeah, I mean the guy is is one of the best, if not the best speaker of all time. With the help of Coach Holtz and stellar college performances, Mark Edwards was a highly sought-after NFL prospect. He was drafted with the 55th pick overall by the San Francisco 49ers. After stints with the 49ers and the Cleveland Browns, the former Irish All-Star found his way onto a team that finished 5-11 the year prior. That team was the 2001 New England Patriots. That 2001 Patriots team that uh, I played on, I mean, that was just a magical season, a magical run. 
We started the year off 0-2. Actually, we started off, we lost our first game to Cincinnati Bengals in 2001. And, you know, this this wasn't like, you know, the Carson Palmer Bengals that were going to playoffs. This was the Keely Smith, you know, Bengals that were awful. And, you know, we, we lost that first game of the year. I'm thinking to myself, shoot, we're, we're, we're going 0-2. 0-16. This is awful because the Patriots were coming off a 5-11 and season to begin with, right? So then 9-11 happened. So the next week there was a bye week, right? Then the next week we played the Jets. We lose 10-3. And at the end of the game, that's when Drew Bledsoe got hit by Mo Lewis and knocked him out. And if you've if you ever seen that hit on TV, it does not do it justice. The sound that hit made when Mo Lewis hit Drew Bledsoe, I was on the sideline right next to it. It sounded like a shotgun hit Drew Bledsoe in the chest. I mean, it was violent. Um, so Tom Brady comes in uh, the next game against Indianapolis, and you know we can find a way to win that game against Peyton, Peyton Manning and Jim Mora, uh, coach Holt, uh, coach the Colts. Then we lose another game. We're one and three. We get to three and three. Then we get to five and five, and then all of a sudden we go on a magical run where. We were just finding unique ways to win games. We were, we, we were from from week ten on. We scored a touchdown on either defense or special teams in every single game, uh, just about every single game, all the way through the Super Bowl. We scored uh, two special teams touchdowns in the AFC Championship game against the Steelers that year. We scored a defensive touchdown in the Super Bowl, beating the Rams that year, and we just found unique ways to win games that year. We were number 18 in the league in offense, number 15 in the league in defense. and But we were top five in turnover differential and top five top five in red zone and de- uh, offense and defense, uh, top five in the red zone scoring. So uh, it was just a magical year that you know finished off with a improbable Super Bowl win against the greatest show on turf, who was one of the best teams in NFL history that year. And they were good. You know, the Tory Holt, Kurt Warner, uh, Marshall Falk, uh, Rams, they were number one in offense that year, number three on defense. They were a darn good team. And, uh, you know, we just outcoached them and outplayed them in that Super Bowl. Mark Edwards reached the pinnacle of football success at every level. He won Mr. Football in the state of Ohio. He played for one of the greatest teams and greatest college coaches of all time. He won the Super Bowl with arguably the greatest quarterback coach tandem in NFL history. Edwards is truly a Notre Dame legend. Notre Dame faces New Mexico on Saturday, September 14th and Georgia on Saturday, September 21st. Notre Dame needs an improved Ian Book in the next two games continue their regular season winning streak. Our next episode will be available for streaming and download on Monday, September 23rd. Our podcast is now available for download and streaming on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Look for a full copy of the New Mexico and Georgia games on our YouTube page. Please consider contributing 
to our efforts on Patreon. I would like to thank our sponsor, Anchor, and Mark Edwards for taking the time to be a part of our podcast. Thank you to NBC Sports for the audio played during this episode. Until next time, go Irish. Thank you.